Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi everyone and welcome to Racing Lives. My name is Aurélie, Aurélie Donzelot, and in this podcast I use motorsport as an excuse to chat to some of the most inspiring women I know. Each week brings a different guest and we discuss everything from career beginnings to what it's truly like to be involved in one of the fastest sports in the world. My guest today is an award-winning photographer, having been named Motorsport UK's Young Photographer of the Year in 2019 and is the team photographer for Mahindra Racing in Formula E. With experience in the World Endurance Championship and European Le Mans series, alongside her Formula E work, as well as corporate and event work, she has gathered a huge amount of experience since graduating from university in 2013 with a Bachelor of Arts in Photography. In 2020, with the world closing down due to the pandemic, my guest, like so many others, found herself at home, away from racetracks and in need of work. Next came a brilliantly executed pivot into the world of esport and embracing the need for photography in the virtual world. My guest and I have never met before, but thanks to Instagram, shared friends and her incredibly welcoming personality, I can firmly say that she feels like a friend already. My guest today is Lou Johnson. Wow. (laughs) I think you know more about me than I know about me. Seriously, the internet is a creepy place. Yeah, I didn't think that it was that came. Well done. <laughs> Someone who hates talking about herself and hates like giving a bio, you've basically just written my bio. Thank you. <laughs> I can share the text later if you want to put yeah, it on your website. You. Absolutely fine. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. It's an absolute pleasure. And you are genuinely the first person that I have on the podcast that I haven't met in real life, which is probably a sign of the worlds we live in, but it's also really nice. It's, I, I, I do feel like I've met you before. It is really weird, but um, but yeah, it's it's a sign of the times, isn't it? You don't you network online now, which is a bit sad. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I will actually hasten to say to our lovely listeners that um, we have chatted on Instagram quite a few times. We're not we're not completely like just in love with each other with no fun from it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get started, and I get to ask you my favorite question, which is, now tell me, Lou, when did your racing life actually begin? I always find it really hard to answer this question. I've been asked it in so many different ways. And I, technically, when I was about three, like, my dad used to work. I was just like an area manager for Audi. And he, like, we're, we're close to Brands Hatch. So I would get dragged along when I was little to sit underneath the corporate table while dad was kind of like schmoozing with all these people. And I would sit with colouring books and everything. And mum would be like, she'll be fine. She'll be fine. She's not in charge. She'll be fine. Just sit her there. And then I slowly gravitated towards the windows so I could watch what was going on outside because there were loud, there were loud things happening. And then before I knew it, I was watching the, the touring cars and stuff like that. And there's my dad likes to tell a story of Frank Beaver had won a race that day. Now I was really little. And he came up to the table because I was the child in the room and, you know, kind of put this trophy down in front of me. And I went, oh, I think it was the second place trophy or something. So maybe he hadn't won that at that point. And he went, ah, oh, second choice trophy. And I was like, no, I didn't win though, did you? And my mum was like, oh, goodness me, take the child away. And then he came back later on as a second race that day and he thumped down like a the first place trophy and went, better? And I was like, yes, much better. Thinking about it now, how did I have that confidence to do that? But um, but yeah, I think from that, mum sort of knew that sort of loved racing from that point. 
and um like I think Frank Bieber left me with his like helmet or something that was on the table when he was doing an interview and I just sort of like was like looking at it and like studying it from all angles and stuff so a lot of my first memories to do with my parents are actually at motorsport events or watching the telly with my dad like my dad would be watching Formula One mum would want to do some housework I would get plonked with my dad shut the doors in the sitting room don't kill her for an hour and just watch the racing and I remember like Gerhard Berger used to find the burger name that part of his name really funny I would follow people for their names that I would know in the, the cars and stuff it was only recently someone pointed out that all my memories of racetracks that I used to watch are all visual so like the cars coming up through the heat haze and stuff like that I still don't know what track that is but anyone can tell me what track that is they kind of it's like the pit straight maybe it's just a view camera view that they used to have but it's like really low camera view and the cars come around a corner and then up through the like this massive heat straight like heat haze on the pit straight beautiful shot no idea what it is I've watched classic races back I can't find it but in my head there's just that if I ever managed to get like the perfect shot of a car through heat haze like that I'll be so happy but it just was just a thing like so sort of always followed it for a while and then sort of fell in love with photography and I was about 15. That's the next important question which is you know <laughs> clearly motorsport came first but yeah. you've been dedicated to photography very early on you, you actually studied it so you knew that's what you wanted to do yeah. when, when did that come you know that's that's the other big part of you is photography. <laughs> yeah it's true actually so randomly a friend was going to go and do a course of like learn to use your digital camera back in like 2005 or something and um, she didn't want to go alone so I had a digital camera and I was like okay fine and I had this amazing day with this lady who was a teacher um, at another school and she just did like a thing at her house and I sort of fell in love with the whole like theory of it everything and then she offered to do kind of GCSE and A-level with us outside of school so I did that alongside everything else I was doing I did it like a year or so early or something it was just it became the thing I would do when I wasn't doing schoolwork. It was just like, I'm going to do that or watching racing. And then, yeah, I came into a crossroads in my life when I was doing A-levels, like we always do. What do you choose? Where do you go to university? And it was like psychology was my love or photography. And I sort of went with, if I don't do photography now, I'll never be trained to do it in the future. I'll never have the confidence to sort of leave a, not that psychology is necessarily a safer job, but but it's sort of a, it's a now or never sort of thing. So I went off and did worked at university and I loved it. Like there was no way that I was ever going to not do photography if I couldn't. And everything, every project we had, I would link back to motorsport if I could. So there was a project on institutions where we would look at how people like it's sort of aimed at like working in a newspaper sort of thing. So kind of like how the independent might be different to the telegraph or whatever and how you show that in images. And I went Marshall's. I'm going to train to be a marshal. <laughs> so I did my bike training, uh, my bike marshal training and did a year of being a marshal and um, shooting and capturing their life because they're an institution and people don't necessarily know much about them. Um, and actually, it's really helped me gain confidence trackside too, because marshals are looking for something maybe slightly differently to what we're looking for. And then as you're sort of like looking as a photographer, but also as a marshal, you sort of go, oh, that's the wrong line. <laughs> that person's going to come off here or yeah. something like that. So I can, A, make sure that I'm not killed, hopefully. Um, but also um, I can sort of look for sort of danger areas and stuff like that. So it's quite interesting. I'm really pleased I did it. My course mates thought it was mad. Everyone's doing these like really like high end, beautiful, like very documentary images of very serious institutions like the British Library. And here's me, my presentation, being like, motorsport marshals, these are important because, and everyone's like, this is so different to everything else. So, yeah, it was brilliant. Really good fun. And then I came out of university and didn't really know where to go or what to do. Like, how do you, like, it's a question I always get sent by people who'd like to be in motorsport. How do you you become a motorsport photographer? There's no, like, university degree and then, like, you're taught it at school, aren't you? Like, up you go the ladder and that's sort of how you get into your job and how you progress and it's not like that in really motorsport like some areas it is but realistically it's not and you sort of have to be in the right place and I sort of found myself in that I was doing a lot of I was working in a theatre I was also working in a shop but I was also constantly like trying to build on like an event portfolio photography wise so I was doing kind of three jobs just to try and I don't know I love I love theatre and I love performance and stuff so that was really important that felt like a good step 
out of university. And as I was doing event stuff and kind of festivals, I was also going to places like Goodwood Festival of Speed and stuff. And I just so happened to be sending lots of emails to various different organisations, people, and Ross at Spacic Media, who just, I think, just set up Spacic Media at the time as a photography agency, got my portfolio kind of landed on his desk at the same time that they needed an event photographer within Formula E to help them out with the hospitality stuff. So <laughs> he was like, this person likes motorsport photography and she shoots quite well from not trackside kind of fan areas and stuff. And she's a good event photographer. Let's bring her along to, it was Paris season two. Uh, so it was 2016. And um, I decided Paris and I did London that year doing their event stuff. So kind of all the hospitality kind of popping champagne corks, kind of all of that, like Richard Branson was there. And it was a lot of fun. It kind of killed me a little bit because you could just sort of see the cars like, just over there, like just the most poor action, just over there. But it was, it felt like a nice moment. And I think that was probably kind of like the defining moment in my career if you like and then eight months later they had a kind of a opening at their trackside team they were like come and work with us trackside and I came in and I worked from there and if that was season three and we're now just about to start season seven so I've, I've not left formula reasons <laughs> it's mad I just sort of cling clinged on I was like this is great I love this I started in Monaco which I know the formula e track is a bit smaller than the formula one track but it felt mad. All of those kind of like visual images that I had from when I was a little, when I was a little girl, kind of cars coming around like swimming pool and the complex and stuff like that. And I was kind of stood there waiting for FP1 going, oh my goodness, <laughs> like this is, this is my opportunity to get some cool shots and how do I do that? And how am I here? What's going on? And it sort of went from there, really. It's been a bit of a whirlwind ever since. Was that a proper pinch yourself moment? Did you managed to take a second and recognize that was that was special yeah so a formula e day is super crazy because everything happens yes. in one day but i had a moment as i went onto the grid where i just kind of stood and just looked at all the cars i think it was possibly like proper bit of imposter syndrome just kind of hitting me like a wall as i kind of walked over the start finish line and saw the whole grid and i was like oh i'm in monaco <laughs> like, and then i immediately went oh the grid's in shade it was a nice moment to just be like oh wow like that's this feels like a big a big moment for me but I love it it was it was a lot of fun that day I look back at some of my images and I'm like what was I doing but equally I mean I think you always do when you look back at your previous work whatever whatever you're doing but yeah it's been good fun what a moment I'm glad the split second after you felt like you didn't belong there was right back to work and you were analyzing the light good I'm very happy about that I don't think I've ever seen it in the light, actually, even in Formula One, because of the buildings that we build. It actually is always in the shade, which makes it quite closed in. And quite. And there's so many people traditionally that it's mm. actually the craziest environment. And I, I know Formula E is slightly different, but I still wager that it's still a very small environment, quite enclosed with a lot mm. of people on it. Yeah, all, all of the VIPs, everyone, everyone trying to get round somewhere like, yeah, lots of photographers and stuff. Like you get to a point yeah. where you're like, Maybe I don't need to go to the back of the grid. Maybe I don't. Maybe I can't get there. <laughs> also, at that point, a general crowd shot feels like a really good option. <laughs> I always like to ask this one because it's quite a philosophical question. Do you feel, and obviously it's about motorsport, but I feel like perhaps you might need to answer about photography as well. Do you feel like you chose it or do you feel like it came and firmly knocked on your door and you just had to answer? Oh, Whenever you ask this question, I'm always like, oh, <laughs> what would I answer? I think maybe 75% it chose me because I was so, like, there are so many things that you get exposed to when you're a kid, so many things. And it's just, sometimes I feel like there's just certain things that kind of pick and, like, stay with your soul. And definitely motorsport's one of them. Like, I had a couple of years where I wasn't necessarily following motorsport that much. And then I randomly went to my dad, what was that thing that we used to watch? What was that? What did we used to watch? And he's like, that, Formula One? There's a race on this weekend. Okay. And then I never stopped watching it. That was it. So I think a lot of it was that. And then I think there is a part of it where you have to work really hard to get to where you where you go and stuff. And if you if you sort of come in with the entitlement of, well, I'm gonna work in this or I'm gonna do this, and you don't put any work in, then then it, it sort of it can choose you as much as it likes, but you've got to make yourself different to other people. So yeah, I think a lot of it was kind of luck and it choosing me, but I think there's a little tiny part of me that had to work quite hard to get there. I don't think tiny part. From everything that you've said so far, you've been incredibly 
thorough, actually, in making sure that you had the best chance possible of getting there. So from the outside, it seems like maybe it chose you, but you chose it right back and then you worked your socks off. <laughs> I found a sketchbook that I that I made just off the cuff. I think it was must have been like my, in my teens before uni. I just made a, a really nice little moleskin sketchbook of all these tear outs from F1 racing and autosport and stuff with like names of photographers. So like I was doing some sort of like thing, you know, oh, I love this photographer. I love this photographer. You know, they the way that they, they use light and all this kind of stuff of properly studying it. I looked at it the other day and I was like, I don't really remember doing this, but I also like, wow, <laughs> like I could have put this in for my like degree or something. It's a really comprehensive little sketchbook. And there are some photographers that are in Formula E now. And I hadn't realised that I'd like written all about their work and stuff. Like I knew their name when they introduced themselves to me. But now I feel like I might like turn up with my book being like, look, I've been your fan for years. (laughs) Freak them out or something. (laughs) Oh, no, it's lovely. But gosh, yeah, the amount of preparation you must have done over the years then. I feel like even if you didn't realise that you're exactly where you should be. And also how incredibly brave and clever I to realise at the age that you were at the time that you had to choose photography because that was your moment then and 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 you already knew that if you didn't do it straight away, then you'd never go back to it. That's, I mean, no wonder you're into psychology. That's some big, heavy understanding of how things work. At that point, I was like, I'll never, I'll never feel like, you know, if I'm in my mid-30s and I'm not happy doing psychology, I'm, I know that I'm not, gonna have it in me necessarily to be like yes I will risk absolutely everything to retrain or to to put a lot of money into it I was like I'll just do it now when the risks are quite low see what happens <laughs> like if I have to retrain and I have to think about something in my mid-20s then people can be like oh she was reckless and then sort of you know there was a there was quite a lot of I think I felt quite a lot of pressure because a lot of my school friends sort of went on like to be a doctor and stuff like that and there were like lots of high flying grades and it felt quite I was always told I was relatively academic as well so to sort of then kind of go away from that was quite difficult but I chose a photography degree that was sort of focused on like the written side of it as well so I did I had to do a dissertation and not all photography degrees do that and I I did a dissertation on why we trust the image so it's also went on to like why you trust what you see and actually how that's not true and how you can kind of like force people to think certain things through kind of styling and stuff. And my and I went and kind of handed it in and my lecturer went, so you want to become a motorsport photographer? And you've handed this in. I was like, yeah. And they're like, okay. <laughs> it's quite nice. They've all kind of come back to me recently when they've seen that I've been like, if I've been like on the BBC or something, they've all come back to me and be like, oh, we knew you'd do it because you're crazy enough to try. <laughs> I'll take that. I don't want to be normal. That's amazing. And also how how incredibly relevant now with everything that's going on, let's say in America, especially this week that we're recording, um, about the power of an image and how skewed it is. Yeah, right. I feel like I should get it out. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely relevant. I'd love to read it. You mentioned the BBC and actually I wanted to congratulate you a year later. You have you are an award-winning photographer. You were Motorsport UK Young Photographer of the Year in 2019. I think you got the award at the end of that year in, in one probably one of the last events that we actually attended to <laughs> with that yeah. And you got incredible coverage out of it. You mentioned the BBC, you were on there. There's so many other articles that were written. That was amazing. It was really, really bizarre. So the competition and the, has been going on for years and years. Like since I started, there was sort of always kind of this competition that was rolling of just the young motorsport photography of the year. And um, back then it was MSA. Now it's Motorsport UK. And people that I really look up to, lots of proper like foundation members of of like artistic motorsport photography have won that award. And I was always looking at it kind of, Oh, it'd be really cool to do that like to be able to enter that to feel like I could enter some of my work into that never really thought I could win it and then as I was starting to get into motorsport I was like there's no female names on here everyone who sort of works in motorsport is a little bit competitive quite competitive so I was a bit like oh I sort of want to be the first first woman to win that that would be quite cool and then I sort of forgot about it and then and then I'd had like quite a crazy year of just everything in 2019 and just it felt like the first year of like I'm doing this professionally and it was the first time I properly kind of I was running a theatre and then I sort of went no I can't I can't travel around the world and 
run a theatre. <laughs> like, it's not fair on me or the theatre. It was like the first year I properly went, right, no backup career, no backup, I'm going to do it. So I sort of got forced into it. There was a lot of people in my life who were like, you should do it. The moment I went, oh, I don't know whether I should do this or not. They just pushed me, which was really nice. So like Ross at Spacesuit pushed me. Bex, uh, my PR at Mahindra, was hit with having none of any anxiety I had. Nothing. Just like, what? why haven't you entered it yet? Have you entered it? Like, which is great. I definitely, as much as I love my job, I can get massive imposter syndrome because I just don't quite understand why I'm doing, like how this has happened. So sometimes I do need a push. I need like someone to be like, do it. So I sort of entered it like midnight, the time that it entered, like closed. And I was thinking, fine, I've done it. That's fine. That's I'll enter properly next year. And then they called me. And I just sort of couldn't believe it. Like it was all really mad. And they were kind of very excited that that I'd entered some of the work that I had and they wanted to sort of talk about it. And yeah, it became, I don't quite know how it happened, but there was quite a lot of press and stuff around it. The BBC picked it up and stuff. And and yeah, it was absolutely mad. And I kept thinking, should we do my website? Still haven't done it. (laughs) Clearly it's not stopping you from getting work. So don't worry about it. It was very overwhelming and mad, but yeah, it's been really lovely. Well, well congratulations. I think this and so you were you were the first female to win it. Yeah, yeah, I was in the end. Job done. Mad. <laughs> yeah. Here's to many, many more females coming through the ranks yeah. and uh, and winning after you. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. What would you say is the biggest misconception about your job? That it's easy. <laughs> the thing that I get from everyone is, oh, your job sounds so amazing. Can I come and carry your bags? Like, like carrying my bags is the is the hardest bit of my job. Like, I could make it really easy if I carry bags. Like, yes, it is, but the the days are long. <laughs> the, the traveling, like somewhere, like when you travel to somewhere like Santiago or something, and then the next day you're working. There's no time for jet lag. There's nothing. There's no time for that. There's there's a lot of misconceptions that it might be very luxurious and everything. And, and yes, I've done shots on a yacht in Monaco, but no one told me because I hadn't never really been on a yacht before that you couldn't wear shoes on a yacht so I had to take off my shoes and was wearing very holy horrible socks at the time (laughs) shooting this thing for Richard Branson going okay (laughs) it's not quite as luxurious as everyone thinks so so yeah I think the the hard days like self-care when you're working is quite difficult so I always bring rehydration tablets with me now so I once got I think it was the first year first year I was fully working in motorsport at Punta del Este in Uruguay, it was really hot and the track is right on a beach and I got sunstroke. And you can't stop working. You just have to keep going. And um, a racing driver sat me down, um, Felix Rosenquist, who's just the best. He sat me down and went, you need to look after yourself. You need rehydration tablets. You need to make sure that you're looking after yourself because you're out there as much as we are. You know, drivers get to walk around with an umbrella or someone holding an umbrella for them. But photographers, PRs, like we're out there looking after them or taking photos of them or whatever and we need to make sure we look after ourselves so that was quite a quite like a moment for me being like I just when you're feeling ill and you don't want to work and you can't that's quite difficult so yeah I've I've taken a lot on from that so now I'm kind of quite sensible and I always make sure that I've got like rehydration tablets and I'm hydrating days before and all of this stuff because then then I can actually do my job like I don't get too exhausted and my brain doesn't go to mush like the first year was a very difficult sort of you stand at a corner and be like be creative why am I not being creative (laughs) and actually it's quite difficult if you're really knackered or if you're dehydrated or if you're worrying about something else it's actually quite difficult to just turn on that creative brain like especially when there's a bit of pressure there so that's probably the hardest thing so yes people can come and carry my bags but a I probably can't pay you and b could you also make sure that I drink and look after me as well? <laughs> and and they'll have to carry your bags for up to fourteen hours a day, and <laughs> they yeah yeah yeah. There's a lot, lot of money hours. involved. <laughs> My biggest lesson, which actually I learned not that long ago, I'm actually ashamed to say that it took me that long to to learn it, is I I have to have a lot of sleep. I can't I can't do what I do on three hours, four hours a night. I used to, but I'm very old now, so I can't <laughs> and so I've had to I've had to kindly decline social invitations back when those were a thing. 
you touched about being competitive and we both know and I think everyone listening now who's a regular knows that motorsport is competitive no matter what aspect I'm pretty certain you can be um I can't, I can't even think of the most random job anyway everyone's got a bit of competitive streak mm-hmm. into the into themselves for sure how do you experience competition in what you're doing and how do you use it positively it's taken me a while actually when I first sort of got into working with a team of photographers which is something different like I've never done that before I was very sort of insecure about what I was producing that I wasn't as experienced as everyone else and therefore I didn't deserve to be there which absolutely I deserve to be there but it's just one of those things that you sort of get and I was around a lot of people with kind of big egos or kind of like or just people who just want to be like look at this cool image and actually like I would often take that internally as like they're so much better than me like damn it like and I and it really crushed me for a while and I was really struggling with it and then I don't I think it was just like a a mixture of like having some really lovely people around me being able to take a bit of time and not being exhausted because when you're tired that sort of stuff gets to you and then I suddenly sort of going like actually you know that's fine like that is a good image but also I don't necessarily like that image of theirs and look how much their me wanting to be like as good as them has pushed my photography look how much I now understand how my shot of someone getting out of a car is different to someone else's shot and how and how and why I prefer that shot so I was kind of able to sort of take a step back from that some of that actually is is to do with I've had some counseling and stuff with someone just because I had some proper like anxiety I I do suffer from anxiety so I realized that that was sort of my anxiety coming in So it's just about having those sort of techniques and stuff. And I would definitely recommend to anybody that that's an amazing thing to be able to do, whether it be with a professional person or whether it be someone that you look up to as a mentor. It's a massive step to be like, oh, I don't feel like I belong here or here's some anxiety that I have. It's a massive step to talk about that with someone. But the moment you do, the moment you can start kind of like pushing through that. And sort of working out how to like make it part of you, but not being like a horrible part of you kind of, okay, that means that I'm really kind of particular with detail. Therefore, I need to do this or that, or I need to prep more to make myself feel more comfortable. So that's definitely been something I've learned about myself. But yeah, now it's sort of a bit more like testing. So I got a cracking shot of my team, cracking shot. And I immediately was like, <laughs> need to get better shot than that. <laughs> like, <laughs> need to need to do like cool shots like and it just sort of makes my creativity kind of go right how do we take it up a gear how do we do this and that helps me to really kind of push it and there's lots of formula photographers especially who and WEC photographers who are just on the top of their game which is brilliant because it just gives you somewhere to aim for it's like I'm just gonna just go in that direction as as madly as I can (laughs) and as like as creatively as I can and see what happens so yeah it's taken a while I think the competitive nature of motorsport, Formula One, Formula E is, while it's brilliant, especially if you're creative and you're, especially if you're competitive, actually sometimes it can come the other way. Like I've always been that competitive person that's like, no, let's play Monopoly again. I won't lose. Let's keep going. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and with, uh, with like motorsport, it's been a bit more like, oh, I wasn't expecting that reaction from myself, but that's because it really matters. Let's keep going. So, yeah, and it's not something that necessarily people talk about. But the moment you start talking about it with people, the moment they go, yeah, I felt that too. And you're like, oh, it's just, it's not me. I'm not going mad. I'm like, no, we all feel like this. Oh, okay. Brilliant. Like, okay, I'm normal. I'm fine. This is a normal reaction. I find it fascinating. And one of the things that actually you mentioned and again I'm very visually driven so memories and and inspiration is all it all comes in the form of images so the first image that popped into my head when you were describing photographers being at the top of their game and uh, you know in different motorsport arenas and actually as you're mentioning arenas I'm thinking of people straight away but the thing that made it stand out for me is when I see a photo and I know that's inherently a this person's photo it's not so much that the shot itself is stunning they always are I think everyone that works in motorsport has to be so good just to be there in the first place and that very much includes you in my opinion I don't think you need to hear that by the way but given our recent conversation maybe you do but it's it's that it's when I when I can see that photographer's personality and style through that shot and I recognize it as theirs and then obviously I look it up and I'm right that's what makes me love their photography Mm -hmm. always yeah, and that's what lots of people I've had quite a few people since since my name's been a bit bigger in, in motorsport photography kind of send me emails and stuff and I and I absolutely love that. I love when people feel like they can communicate with me because I was 
doing similar things and I had some great photographers reply to me when I was about 17 or whatever and I also had some photographers not reply to me and I remember that kind of hurt thinking about like oh they didn't they didn't really kind of and like they can't do anything you know I can't say say to someone this is how much you need to charge this is how much whatever like it's all independent but just having someone to sort of say come back to me with a portfolio and the thing that I keep saying to people is find your style find what you'd love and that could be you want to learn how to pan as quickly or as slow as possible to get those amazing shots like that's great and if you want that to be your style or just do what is you that will come through with your style anyway it just tends to be what they really enjoy visually looking at so you have to find that so go through that experimental phase don't expect yourself to sort of kind of go want to be a motorsport photographer tomorrow and that's the same in any like that event photography anything you have to find what is your thing and then once you've found that push that and keep going and then people will come to you going we have a cool shot that we like shoot we want to do or we've got a race season we need you to do we really want your style with this and then that's what makes you different because there are so many people <laughs> who want to be motorsport photographers and there are so many people who want to work in motorsport you have to be different I get messages to obviously in a slightly different arena that's not about photography. But the thing that always flabbergasts me is people will come to me and say, I want to work in motorsport or I want to work in Formula One. It's like, no, 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 no. What do you want to do? Yes. You know, work that out first. And then if it fits in motorsport or in Formula One, amazing, enjoy it. But work out that you want to be a cook and then try and match it up with your motorsport. Work out that you want to be an engineer and then work out that motorsport or Formula One is your area. There's hundreds of jobs. There's hundreds of different things. That comes first. And then the industry that you enter, you know, I'm a comms person. I'm a social media person. I could work in beauty, which I adore. You know, I could work in makeup. I would absolutely love it. It happens that, you know, my, my place is motorsport. And then when you talk about photography, I mean, I'm just an amateur photographer, but it is one of my hobbies. I absolutely I've seen your stuff it. on Instagram. It's gorgeous. That's a straight lie, but I love no, it. Thank you very not. much. I love, it. I love it because of where you are in the in the garage and stuff. You get some great like behind the scenes stuff, which is like the sort of thing that, that I absolutely adore is to be able to show that personality of the team. And it's what I really love about working with Mahindra is that we we kind of go, how are we going to show the personality of the team? Like everyone knows me from the mechanics to the engineers to the drivers. Like there's this massive thing of, oh, I'll just bring Lou in. Like, Lou, come take this picture of this or whatever. Like they don't suddenly go, oh, why is there a photographer here? But you sort of have that already because you've got those really cool connections with people and you've worked with each other through all of the things that motorsport throws at you. Those times where they're just taking down the garage around you and you're like, but I just need to finish this thing. <laughs> like, yep. It's just all of a sudden not there anymore. Like you do with all of that stuff. You don't have to work as hard to get that side of them down, which is just brilliant. And it happens. You can't just turn up to someone, especially when you're taking their picture. You can't just turn up and be like, I'm going to get this great shot of you. Like it does take time. It needs a conversation at least. You need to be really good at being able to kind of feel people need to be relaxed around you. Same as if you're interviewing someone or anything. You don't get anything from someone if they're they're nervous or that they're stressed. Like it's not the same. No, their guards up and more than, yeah, you're not going to get a good shot. But, but that's one of the things that made me laugh is the thing that I'm finding for me, which obviously is great for me because of where I am. That's the photography I love is the behind the scenes and showing the people and catching my, fr my friends because that's who they mm. are unaware and getting that very intimate shot. So lucky me, you know, I'm, I'm not that fast about taking photos of the cars on track because that's not something I'd be able to do anyway. But yeah, it's, it's that having my little camera with me and knowing that I can, sneak in and just get a moment that no one else is going to see yeah. that actually that it so happens that's what I love to do so if yeah. I if I ever did pivot and become a photographer I think you can expect lots of people photos from me and not so many cars amazing I get moments sometimes when I'm editing and I'm like I'll be kind of going through stuff from the weekend and I'll be looking at things and I'll go, oh, just, that's not sitting right what's what's wrong and I realized that if my ratio between track action and like people shots is wrong it can throw me completely and it was throwing me really? for a while and I was thinking like I'm not happy this is not I'm not capturing the weekend why am I not doing it and it's like oh yeah because I've got only garage shots or I've got only driver shots I've got anything of the mechanics or I haven't got anything of this okay and I'll like reevaluate. like I've never really had anyone say to me oh we've got too many like track shots or whatever like that's never come from any client but that's just an internal thing for me is have I represented the weekend have I represented what I'm doing and everything so yeah that's that's become a thing that I I just want a balance of it so yeah, I get a bit upset if I can't, if I don't have that. <laughs> but actually, that leads on quite nicely. I wanted to ask you about success and how you define it for yourself. Is that a definition of success when you finish your weekend and you can actually look at your body of work from that particular? Or is it over an entire season? Is it one shot? 
is it something else entirely? I think for me, a lot of it is kind of, is almost kind of very retrospective. So if you said to me when I joined Formula E that the last couple of years I would be working with one team, kind of like just basically sort of being their photographer in the way that I have and some of the experiences that we've had together, I would be like, no, I don't have the confidence to do that. I'm not ready for that. I couldn't do that. So to kind of look back, I'm like, oh, actually, oh, that's weird. Oh, okay. I'm progressing. Like I'm actually, I'm getting there with my, with my career and stuff. I might do a thing and be like, oh, that wasn't terrifying. Last time I remember being really, really nervous about doing that. And actually, actually, that's okay. And I got what I needed and I didn't feel like the margin for error or kind of like sort of experimenting and kind of going, oh, I don't click with that or whatever. That's all just experience anyway. But I feel like I'm getting, getting a bit better with that sort of thing anyway. And then just being able to take on different challenges and stuff. I have to do sort of top shots at the end of every weekend. And there are some weekends where I'm like, oh, I don't really feel like I've done anything specifically wonderful (laughs) like it's nice it's lovely but there's nothing like that I would necessarily want to post on Instagram or or something like there will always be something but it might take me a bit longer to kind of I might need to walk away from it and then come back and be actually that's quite a nice photo or something but yeah I think that that sort of being able to hit the brief a bit quicker and sort of pushing that and having the confidence to go well I've hit the brief let's do this now or let's experiment with a less safe lens so we shoot the podium pretty much every race so the this transition between oh do I use like a like a zoom lens like a 24 to 70 here because that'll cover me all the time or do I just go with a 50 mil prime and just run and work things out and just see what happens but not and like so I sort of was like oh but that's a really should I just add a third camera don't really want to carry a third camera around (laughs) actually bag carrier (laughs) yeah it's just one of those things where you you I think that's that's success for me at the moment is to be able to kind of like trust my gut instinct when it comes to creativity and stuff and then just have that that sort of reward of kind of being able to look at it going no that was the right decision I used my ability to make the correct decision and nail it there or something and then but also like just having drivers or all the teams kind of going you smash it this is great like that actually helps you don't hear it enough like you hear it a lot at university that's rubbish we don't like that we like this or whatever but very rarely do you hear we really liked that this is great and actually it does really help you like you don't hear it enough in any anyone's job I don't think you don't sort of get praised enough which it's fine it's part of being an adult but like does it have to be can someone just be like you did great today we all did great today let's have I don't know I was gonna say let's have a cup of tea but you know (laughs) (laughs) a little pat on the back you tend to hear from people when something's gone wrong not when something's gone right which is a real shame of being but that you're right that is part being part of a grown-up so that's why you have to be your own champion and I do believe that that's part of self-care looking after your compliments that's not the right word but yeah looking looking after your positive thinking yeah (laughs) do you have a specific moment this is actually one of my favorite questions by the way because we make motorsport look good that's our jobs I can actually say that to you and I know that I do that too but we know that behind the scenes it's a real working environment just like any other job and there's ups and down what was the moment when you realized that motorsport is not glamorous at all oh there's so many (laughs) oh my goodness were were you soaked at the time (laughs) ah yeah so um I wasn't maybe quite the moment I think it was like lots of little moments like the being in the media center in Formula E like we've moved away from them now but they used to be kind of tents and stuff which is fine they would have air conditioning and things but in Berlin and a couple of places effectively what you're doing if you sit in a tent a white tent is just you're just sitting with a massive light source above your head which means you cannot see anything so you can't see anything on your screen it's just really hot so sort of that level of of being uncomfortable and having to just grill through it was possibly when I was like "Mm, not quite the sort of luxurious environment I thought but in Saudi the first year we went to Saudi Arabia we went and I had I think I thought I'd prepped everything it's kind of a lot of sort of maybe anxiety about making sure that I wasn't wearing like t-shirts or anything to kind of expose too much skin like all of that sort of stuff on top of making sure I didn't photograph like religious buildings and things that's also a that's also a thing that you can't do fine and then I sort of went out on track for FP1 and it rained but not like tiny rain we're in the middle of the desert and rain wasn't forecast so I didn't have any of my waterproof stuff at all and it just rained like torrential rain and it rained for about 40 minutes but it was that sort of rain where when it starts to rain and it's been like maybe 
five minutes, you're you're drenched anyway. So I was literally stood there <laughs> for about 45 minutes, completely drenched. They cancelled the session and I walked into my garage and my PR just took my glasses off, wiped them clean. <laughs> it's not really that luxurious, is it, this? <laughs> like, I was drenched and I was thinking, like, if they don't bring the cars out, then what am I doing? Like, why am I stood here? So, um, yeah, it's a good job. That's when you have to really love motorsport and what you do because if you don't, then those sort of things. I, I've been at Spa a couple of years ago when it snowed and I was stood in the snow, like with snow, like literally settling on my shoulders. And I turned around and I just laughed like hysterically because I was like, look, I'm a snowman. Isn't this hilarious? Like, and all the other photographers are like, it's just so cold. And I was like, this is mad. Like, Our job is mad. <laughs> Just any element just stand out there so yeah it's it's more mad than luxurious like you get the odd moment where like if I shoot any event in motorsport it is so different some of the events that I might shoot otherwise because there is someone making sure that every photograph is perfect like you walk around all oh, this like we'll just we'll just smooth that tablecloth and we'll just make sure that everything like every flower arrangement is amazing whereas normally my job is to sort of go around and just I end up with pockets full of like receipts or bits of like napkins or something. But like in motorsport, it was made so easy because everything is very beautiful and very kind of thought out. And you have to worry about which sponsors are in the photos, but they're just there anyway. So it just makes it very easy. So that you do get those luxurious moments where you're like, oh, of course, this is, this is lovely. Yeah, to balance it out, there are some pinch me incredible moments as well where you where you get to hang out with people you never thought you would and um and you get to travel to some incredible places so we'll, we'll be fair it, it is 100% glamorous it absolutely is as it looks but we work behind the scenes and this is a slightly different aspect you touched about self-care and anxiety and dealing with that I think the other aspect of being motorsport that we need to recognize as well is actually the work-life balance can be difficult I think it does take real work to be able to achieve it how do you manage it if at all and and how do you also manage your friends and your family's expectations because again when you first started traveling and you entered Formula E full-time I think that probably was a bit of a shock for for everyone else Mm, yeah it was the first part of the question like self-care so that's been a really tricky one for me anyway. I think I've learned when traveling, there are certain things like I, that I need. So like a good shower in the morning will help me. Well, it doesn't matter if it's like three in the morning to start work or or whatever. That's like almost essential. It's just whatever. I just get in the shower. You'll feel, you'll feel a bit better. I'm very pale. And I often am like, oh, look, I'm like suntan. Oh, no, I'm just filthy. It's fine. So like even, even if I feel really knackered, just a nice shower will sometimes help my brain feel a bit better and I also need to be in contact with my friends so and like my family and stuff just to to be able to make sure that they know that they can still contact me which has been quite difficult like I won't obviously be on my phone when I'm working and things like that but I always try my best before I go to bed or when I wake up in the morning to send those messages to family that I that that know that I'm still there but and also to send them pictures throughout the weekend because it means I've tried to sort of keep that door open because I know that if I fully didn't do that and I didn't work at that then they would be like oh she's working we won't bother her in the same way that people might do if you're on holiday which is fine but actually there's a lot I do sometimes get quite like a downtime before the weekend starts or something and can be quite lonely <laughs> like if you're yeah. sat in your room being like oh okay <laughs> and you'll contact them and, and like to start with a lot of my friends would be like oh I don't want to bother you because you're away it's like but I'm working like I might be sort of any other time and you know it would be nice to have a chat with you so I think they're a bit more used to it now Uh, and a lot of people have known me a lot of my friends have known me since I was very little so they all sort of knew that this was sort of what I wanted to do so they sort of wanted to be on that journey with me which has been really lovely my one of my best friends got married with what should have been the Mexico e-pre last year and I floated the idea of me not going to the Mexico e-pre last year and I said like I does anyone might like I'll make sure that there's someone there to take my place and stuff but I've just got to be there for my best friend like I've got to be there on her wedding day and everyone was like yes no go whatever just so happened it was just before covid so I sort of missed out (laughs) like had I known maybe there'd have been slight differences in the um in my financial situation (laughs) I might have been like oh maybe I will go go to that one what do you love the most about motorsport (sighs) the people easily the people the people are whatever paddock you're in 
the moment I'm finding it a lot kind of as I'm kind of getting to know different people in different paddocks you hear kind of Formula One family Formula E family but actually it's like a massive motorsport family it's not really one family like little families it's just everyone and the the support and the encouragement that I've had from people in motorsport is just is mad it's amazing it's because everyone I think because we all know it's really difficult to be away from home competitive environment everything the conditions that you're in we can relate to that but also you know we're all there for very similar reasons because we absolutely love it and it doesn't matter if we've not finished work until 3 a.m in the morning and we know we've got to get back up again (laughs) the next day like five or something we're all just kind of in it together and the confidence that you get from people as well like there, there have been points where I've sort of said can we sort of do this shoot like I sort of want to do this and they're like yep done make it happen let's just let's do this thing this real kind of like we're all in it together that I guess I hadn't really experienced other than when I was kind of at university and everyone's sort of doing this creative thing together you've sort of got everyone in this family doing this thing whether you be kind of an engineer a team principal kind of a PR photographer caterer it doesn't matter you're all sort of in it together and that's really special that's what keeps me going whether the weather's rubbish like we've had some really horrible rounds where I just end up complaining that it's cloudy or cold (laughs) I'm like everyone looks cold there's no shadow it all looks rubbish the light's really bad today but I still have a great day because I'm around lots of really cool people you know even if you're freezing and you're in the garage you can have a have a laugh with the mechanics and engineers and stuff it's really nice that's my love as well that's why Mm -hmm. I'm there definitely Uh, okay just to be fair what do you dislike or do you dislike any aspects of it actually to be fair because then you might love it all uh, at the moment, I dislike the international element of it, mainly because of everything that's happening. It's quite scary just to not know when we're working again. It's quite a lot to get my head around. I'm getting a bit better with it this year, sort of kind of going, OK, it's going to be a difficult year again. That's fine. But we're going to get through it because we got through last year and we didn't know what to expect last year. So it's fine. The hardest and the best thing is maybe being freelance and sort of not knowing. We sort of get to the end of the school year, which is great. And you kind of end up like, oh, bye, everyone. And then you're like, oh, there is that part of thing. I've done everything I can. But like, what if something happens that's out of my control and I don't get to do this again or don't get to do everything? Like, there's a battle with that, which is very difficult, especially because our season in Formula E is different to everyone else's. When we stop, everyone else is still going. So there's sometimes a point where you're like, oh, maybe I'm just out of it then. And then, and then we start kicking off again and we've had our summer break and everyone's like, right, testing and it's all good. And you're like, oh, okay, back to normal then. So yeah, I think that's the, that part of the roller coaster where you just, it never, nothing's ever sure. And that's more to do with, not to do with motorsport and more to do with being a freelancer in any, in anything at all. It's probably the most challenging part of it. I don't dislike it because I wouldn't do it. Otherwise I would try and be full-time at an agency or something, but it's a challenge that I have to constantly deal with. You can argue it's also what's keeping you very good because you can't get comfortable with what you're doing. You can't rest on your laurels. You're constantly thinking, I want to be good enough to come back again. Mm, Yeah, exactly. And I think that's that has been maybe one of the reasons why I've pushed because you're never quite in your comfort zone, which is really nice, especially when you're trying to up your game and stuff. If you sort of rest on your laurels, then that is that is when it kind of gets to a point where people are like, oh, but there's this new exciting person who wants to do this. And they kind of come out of the blue. So, yeah, I think and I think it's half because I really love it and I care. And like I could do other things and I still do. I do other kind of photography, kind of midweek photography, I guess you'd call it. But it's not motorsport. I'm not a morning person, but I will get up at 4am for motorsport and not blink an eye. Sometimes not even need caffeine. It's sort of that sort of I'm up Christmas every day sort of thing. That's that, how you that's explain it. Yeah, that's the nugget where people are like, OK, that's how much you love it. Definitely. <laughs> how do you switch off how do you relax is it lego <laughs> um well in the, in the in the lockdown i was i was literally pushing lego cars around my desk and just taking photos of it so maybe it is <laughs> i used to when when i was able to and i will do again go to theater go and spend time with my friends and actually kind of like fully fully embrace that i also really love plants and house plants and stuff so there's just like an element of kind of like self-care with that as well and just being outside so I do absolutely love kind of going and exploring like proper like national I love a national trust property I love a national trust yeah. property. You go with your friends and you can get like you know tea and tea and cake afterwards as well and you can just have a nice day like out in the sun it's like very similar to what I do like walking around all day outside but 
it's just there's just something really nice about that so yeah all curling up with my cats in the evening and just, ha just having a nice read it's just I'm quite boring really <laughs> when I'm not like taking pictures of cars quite boring <laughs> what's your relationship with social media like what do you think of it my consistent relationship with social media is damn it I haven't posted to Instagram lately <laughs> that's <laughs> that's it basically I will start a race weekend and I'll be like I need to at least post once every like couple of days or something because it's relevant it's an event that's happening and then and then I will get so busy that I won't have time or I'll finish really late and I'll be like there's no point in posting now it's midnight like or in the UK it's or Europe it's really late or whatever so it's one of those really weird but I absolutely love like looking at other people's like behind the scenes stuff from weekends so I should probably do more of that it is my relationship with is oh, I should do that so I'll go through stages where I'll have, pla I'll have planned stuff I'll get maybe two weeks of like posts in or if something happens and I've got an image in mind that I can use for that like, this is great I'm so on this and then there'll be a big period of time where I'm like oh I haven't posted for ages like you don't have to scroll very far on my Instagram to find shots from like season five and that was like <laughs> 2019 and it's like oh, I should and I should post other stuff like so yeah I, I know that it's really important and whenever I post things I get a good interaction from that and actually pretty much any of the kind of like new clients that I've had have come from social media like even when I first started getting into motorsport a lot of it came from social media so I know that it's yeah. really important I'm just really bad at it because I struggle with something like I sort of want to just post a here's a nice shot of a car and that be my caption but I sort of get stuck with the captions like I might send like messages to my friends being like how oh, would you caption this <laughs> like what do I say <laughs> what would you say to someone who's trying to work in motorsport you you know you've mentioned it you've said people get in touch I get people in touch and and really this podcast exists because of those people so what would you tell them don't give up I learned to pan standing in my in my driveway panning like random cars as they came past at like 50 miles an hour because it was just what was in front of me and then I learned that oh if I panned in between like some of the hedgerow or something I could get some cool greenery into it so I didn't need to go to a racetrack you don't have to <laughs> like it's nice um but you don't have to like at the moment obviously as a fan you can't necessarily go to races if they're happening in the UK hopefully you will be able to soon but a lot of the like when I'm there and I'm working especially the, the UK racetracks I'm not trackside I mean, I may be trackside 50% of the time, but a lot of the time I'm kind of in with the crowd, taking some cool pictures of like kind of the grandstands or through the crowd, getting some colour. Like there's a lot of context that needs to be, that needs to be captured at race events to tell the story. And if you can do that, you can take a picture of a car standing quite close to them. Realistically, you don't need to show that you have those skills by being the other side of the catch fence to be able to show that you can do it. I think I've been trackside twice as an accredited photographer before I started out in Formula E, like I was going to kind of Goodwood Festival Speed where the access is great, all these different places, Revival, Brands Hatch, Silverstone, just to kind of like go, oh, okay, working on my skills and stuff, because that's what people look for. They look for you having the eye and to be able to tell the story. Once you know that you can do that, like that's fine. Like a race team want to see that you can photograph all of their sponsors correctly on the car, but they all, there's also another part of it that's like, but we want to tell the story of our weekend. We want to have some cracking images of the of the fans that are finally back at the race or whatever. And if you don't have that eye or you're not thinking about that from the beginning, then it becomes quite difficult because your priorities will have to switch. So that's my biggest advice to anyone. And just to keep going, send portfolios to people. Don't send, I had someone the other day who sent me an email basically going, I want to work in motorsport. And I was like, cool, what questions do you have? there wasn't really much in the way of like questions and I was like oh I want to be able to help you I really want to help you and I was kind of replying late at night kind of go what's your Instagram profile and then they just gave me their tagline but they didn't link get send me a link and I'm like oh make it super easy for me like basically that if you was contacting people make it super easy what do you need from them questions send them a portfolio ask for advice you know what are you looking to work on a link to your website like make it super easy and then I can help you in the best way for you that I can then do if I'm sat waiting for a plane or something like that, like rather than sat at my desk and then I'll help you. If it's really difficult, I will help you, but it will take longer. So then I might not reply for a while. So that's probably my best advice. That's great advice. That's amazing. And is that something that you've had that you've experienced as well that people have done for you? 
randomly when I went for my first interview, uh, like university interview, I'd emailed a female Formula One photographer called Emily Davenport. And I was literally like, I'm 17 and you're a cool female motorsport photographer. And like, uh, I don't really know whether I'm doing the right thing. And I'd sent her some stuff and then she hadn't replied because she'd been super busy. And then on the eve of my interview for the place that I then ended up getting into, she sent me a reply being like, I'm so sorry for not replying. Here's some advice. Keep going. Keep in touch or whatever. It was just really nice to hear. And then I obviously went into the interview feeling really smiley and like comfortable. And then that was it. Like, I've never met her <laughs> like at all. But like, I would love to meet her and be like, do you know that you gave me the push that I needed to? And that really weird. It was like the most sport world kind of going to me. It's going to be all right. Like that. Yeah. Going. It was a really nice moment. So I was like, if I can help anyone, I will, because sometimes you just need that little bit of a like help because like you just don't know, like even at university, you don't get how would you deal with this? How would you quote for this specific thing? You, you get kind of a lot of practical advice, but it's actually sometimes difficult to feed that into the motorsport world, especially a world that's been like established for so long. There's always a thing where you're like, oh, no, I'm sending a quote to someone and you're kind of matching up against their expectations of what you're going to get. Like, do I send a PDF portfolio? Do I send this? How do I make it look? What's the industry standard? If you're new, you don't know. <laughs> no one sends a photographer the industry standard stuff before you start. That's not something you learn at university. You don't get told. It's like you get told all the theory, but you don't actually get told how it really works. Because yeah. how could a university course actually know how it works within the industry? Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. but then sometimes it's nice because because you're having to go in without knowing okay, fine, it's a 50-50. You might get it completely wrong and then obviously you don't attract any attention or you might be the biggest breath of fresh air. Mm -hmm. And annoyingly, what you've done then will be that um, the person that's received it might contact their photographer and go, well, why aren't you doing it like that? <laughs> that's the dream. <laughs> that's the competition right there. <laughs> I can't believe it, but it's, I've got my last question. Okay. I'm about to ask you just a very simple one, uh, which has probably got a complicated answer, uh, which is what are you looking forward to? Just taking pictures. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to starting another season, hopefully, when that happens uh, with Formula E. But I've got some conversations with other series, other people that are really interesting and I'm really excited about. Um, and I can't say anything. But if they happen, I'll be really, really happy. It's one of those things where like, I just don't want to talk about it. But like my I'm having to hold the put the brakes on my creative brain a bit with it. Because if if I don't, then I'll run with it before I've got given kind of the the kind of the go ahead with everything. Really? But um but yeah, I I'm really looking forward to some of the to, just to be able to make some work again. Like last year was was probably a rest that I needed maybe but um but I'm now like itching to to get going and and to to push it even further and do some different stuff and then also just have the familiarity of hopefully Saudi Arabia race and Formula e will happen and I'll be stood on the grid there and I'll probably have a similar moment to how I had in in Monaco it's in the shade yeah <laughs> well it's gonna be dark so I mean my first night race shooting so probably yeah <laughs> damn it sunset was a while ago like but I'm, just, I'm looking forward to it. Like that was, that's been a year since I last stood on the grid in the Marrakesh E-Prix. So it'll be a night. I'm probably gathered. I'm a person who like is quite be a bit sentimental, a bit sentimental at times. So it'll be just nice to be like, oh, I'm back again. Like this is nice. Like and we go again, sort of thing. So I'm looking forward to the momentum over motorsport season and to be able to be creative and not have to panic that it might be my only race that year or something. Like just to really go for it. Thank you so much, Lou. Thank you for taking the time to talk Thank to me. You. It's been absolutely brilliant. I loved it. I've loved every second. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe via your favourite podcast platform. Leave a review if you can. Tell your friends. Post about it on social media. It all means so much. And it really helps new people find our little podcast. I read every message and every mention, as you know, and it means a huge deal. You can also get in touch directly if you'd like via my Instagram account, which is Pandia, P-A-N-D-E-A. And there's now a link in the show notes via which you can support the podcast directly should you wish to. It takes an awful lot of coffee to make this show, as you can imagine. Thank you very much for listening and speak to you next week.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 